Welcome to the Probate Mastermind Podcast. These episodes are recorded live once a week and are hosted by the AllTheLeads.com coaches. Agents, investors, and wholesalers join the coaches for everything from marketing tips, sales psychology, live deal analysis, transaction engineering, advanced real estate strategy, and personal development. You will learn to get more listings, more deals, and find financial freedom by listening to these episodes. Be sure to catch show notes at alltheleads.com slash podcast and join our free Facebook mastermind community, All The Leads Mastermind. Welcome amazing agents and investors from across the country. Today is Thursday, May 20th, 2021, and this is Mastermind Podcast number 328. I want to remind you all that we have an ongoing uh, contest. We really want to encourage uh, participation, and if we can bribe you a little bit with some free leads or discounts on leads, that's what we've been doing. We have two contests we're running concurrently every week. We have a winner of the week, which is exclusive to probate. We want to hear a deal you got signed, a listing you took, a contract you got signed. Uh, if it's not signed yet, we'd still love to hear, but to be eligible for the win of the week, it's actually got to be a contract. And then we want to hear your idea of the week. When this extremely strong seller's market, virtually uh, anywhere on earth, certainly in, in North America, it's challenging to get listings. The one good thing about probate is the competition isn't there that there is for other sources, not nearly as much competition. So it doesn't have to be probate specific for your idea of the week. Last week, we had Joe and Jennifer share a couple of great ideas. Joe shared working absentee owners, basically vacant homes, people that may have become unintentional landlords. I thought that was a great idea. And Jennifer had a very unique idea to cross-reference her leads against unclaimed properties and use that as kind of a extra value added with people and let them know that they may have inherited some or they may have some unclaimed property in addition to being being the executor of the estate. So those are kind of both kind of the type of outside the box ideas that we're looking for. Right now we have one in the queue. And again, we do have plenty of room for more. Just hit star six and hit one. Bruce, Tim, anything you want to share before we get started? Not me, bud. Let's rock and roll. Okay. I'm going to share. We had a great Foundations Dialogue training yesterday. So if you guys are looking for role play and building out your phone approach for probates, I want you guys to join in on that the next time. We're coming up a couple of weeks away for, from a class at the beginning of June. And then starting in June on the third Wednesday of each month, we're going to be doing a specific role play day on Zoom. So those of you who are subscribers, or even if you're not a subscriber of ours and you're looking for some additional training and opportunity to role play and practice, join us on on those because they're they're good. And I always try to share something slightly different each time, a different technique that we can use. And uh, we might get into some of that a little bit today if we don't get some get some callers on the line. Sure. Well, we do have two in the queue now, guys. We greatly participate those that actively participate that act we appreciate those that actively participate and we that's easy for me to say right we have two in the queue let's go to our first caller first up this week is phone number ending in five four six four you're up first yeah can you guys hear me all right loud and clear okay this is eddie van buskirk in kansas city it's been a a while since i've been eddie. on the call good to yeah, hear from you again good to hear your voice Man. The I take I my real estate <laughs> I take my real estate exam Monday. 
So oh, to become right. an, uh, a realtor. So I've spent a lot of time on that and hoping to list a good amount of these right now because I'm not picking them up as listings. But I did send out uh, a handful of my 2019 leads. And 2019, I was doing all of my leads by myself. I was pulling them all myself and mailing them all myself. So I sent, I started sending those out again. And I have an appointment here at one o'clock to go meet with a lady who she said for the last year, she hasn't been able to even go in her mom's house. So, you know, if anybody's, you know, wondering how to get, you know, circle back to some of those older leads, it's a great spot for those people that are really stuck in probate quicksand or just are super in a procrastinatory state in what to do with, with their emotion, uh, the, the emotions of the property that come along. So that so I'm pretty excited about that. Second thing is a while back, I had told you about a deal I had got for 40,000. Well, after, you know, it took me a year to get it. The guy inherited it from his brother who committed suicide. It took me a year to get it. I got it for 40,000, but we just sold it. Or we, we closed on it today. We signed the closing paperwork yesterday for 289 after we did about $120,000 remodel. So after okay. everything's said and done, we made just under 100000 on it. So that's the best deal I've ever done. It's pretty awesome to make those kind of numbers, but it's possible. Yeah, that'll, to, I mean, one of those every year. Obviously, that's not your goal is one a year, but one of those every year turns this into a, a great ROI. Yeah, which that'll be the third property we've closed this year on, on the flip side. And then we bought uh, a rental that I didn't get it from. I actually was driving for dollars. Well, I wasn't even driving for dollars. I just drove through a neighborhood and I saw a shitty house. Excuse my language. And this, I've, I, to, to find the owner, it said some LLC. So I searched the LLC and I couldn't find anything. But I searched the address, which is a California address, and it came up with, I searched the tax records in California for that address, and then it found the name of the guy. Then I searched that name in the state and city in California till I found, you know, a bunch of, it was an Asian name, which there's not a lot of Asian people in California, you know, but I found a guy who said he liked chess and the name of his LLC here in Kansas City was the name of a chess move. So I put the two pieces together. I emailed him. And he was like, I'm doing in lieu of foreclosure. And I was like, how about I just buy it from you for what you owe? And then you don't have to deal with that. And so he, he sold me the property for 46000 We'll put like 30 in it, and it's worth like 140 So uh, it, it takes a bit of work to do that. But, you know, if, you know, finding that, that's basically, you know, almost a 50% deal when I'm, you know, I'm buying it for, I bought it for about 33 cents on the dollar and I'm in it for about 50 cents on the dollar. So that's, yep. Yep. Cool. That's great. So that's, that's great, man. You've got, you, you go after it and you, I'm going to, I'm going to sing your praises a little bit here. Cause you, you are one of the more diligent people that we, that we work with. I mean, to hunt, to hunt this guy down like that is, is amazing. And back to the previous deal that you'd been working on for a year that you made just shy of a hundred thousand on, we've been talking about that for a while and, and to, and finally cross the finish line today or, or really yesterday that's exceptional. You know, it, it, it's you 
You mentioned mentioned a deal with someone before that that I, I guess this is your appointment coming up at 1 o'clock that was well over a year old stuck in probate quicksand. And I think that to go back to some of those historically, just because um, someone is a year old, if they got stuck in probate quicksand, they usually don't come out of it in a month or two. If Once they get stuck, they're usually stuck for a long time, and those people can go from being able to sell in eight months to still not selling in a year, two years, three years sometimes. And it, it's all a really simple matter of being diligent and circling back to them and making them an offer. So what was that initial conversation like with the girl that you're going on the appointment with today? You know, she said I got you. She called me and left me a voicemail, and I called her back, and she was like, yeah, I my so these leads are from 2019, so I knew it was it was a while back, and she said she had tr- she had tried to do like the clean out on her mom's house, and it was so emotionally taxing that she just couldn't do it. And then 2020, she didn't even go to her mom's house, and now she's in that time her brother ended up dying as well, so she was like, well now I really have to get this settled. And she was like, I just can't, I can't procrastinate any longer. The the cool thing is I went over to the house the other day and talked to the neighbor and he was like, yeah, they were trying to sell it for $10,000 last year or, you know, whenever they were trying to sell it. And so I was like, well, if I pick it up for 10,000, I've, I did one last year and sold it for 82 in that neighborhood. So there's, there's, there's a margin in there that I think would work. California so, and New York, your heads are, your heads are about to explode right now. Hearing some of these low numbers, crazy <laughs> about to explode hearing those numbers. The, uh, it's, it's, you know, there are very few people in Kansas city who are finding, who are getting numbers like that. Cause I, I mean, I talked to all the wholesalers and all these people and very few people are getting numbers like that. And if they are, they're really digging down deep to find them. You know, the ones that are on top of the, you know, just laying on the ground, they're not getting a good deal. It's when you, like, really dig after or clean up title issues or help them do a quiet title or whatever it might be, that's where the real deal, you get the real deal. Or, you know, mm-hmm. do that extra digging to find the find the guy who has a obscure LLC name, you know, is how I go about finding those. The... There's another, I'm not going to bore you guys with the details, but there's another problem property like that in my neighborhood. And I found the owner through the company name. It turns out he has a bunch of lawsuits on him for like predatory lending and housing against him. But I found the guy's name and texted him about every two days for like three months. And finally he was like, here's who you need to talk to. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, he hasn't blocked me yet or anything. So I just kept doing it. And finally he put me in contact with the person that I needed to talk to. So I do have a question though. I, I have a property that I'm trying to buy from a gentleman and and all of the heirs are not in line with what, you know, selling the property or what the price. What do you, you know, how do you get, you know, if it's a $30,000 property and it's split, 50% between one person and then 50% is split between like four people, you know, they're, they're getting four, uh, a quarter of $50,000, uh, $15,000. How do you, how, you know, if there's any differences, they get a fluctuation of like a thousand bucks. How do you help media, you know, alleviate that problem for the, 
for the heirs because they're like, I don't want to keep sitting on the property, but they're holding, you know, we've got our hands tied because they're not willing to sell. Who wants to hold on to the property? Which person? Is it one of the four that's getting um, the 15000 or is it is it the one that gets 15000 for themselves? It's uh, it's one of the four. One of the four. Okay, so one of the four that's splitting 15000 And how much more do they want? I... I don't know the answer to that question because I, I, I was only talking to the gentleman who, who wants to sell it, who gets the majority share, you know, the 15000 mm-hmm. Okay. So I, yeah, you know, I don't know how much more. I just don't know how I could help him clear it up. Or I would, I would talk to that gentleman. I'd try to get on the phone with the one that's holding things up. But, but at the very minimum, talk to the person that you're already in contact with and say, you know, it, could you get me a number that they want? And and then and then I might even say, especially if this is cash, if there's a loan involved, you're really not going to be able to do this. But if it's if it's cash that you're picking it up for, and after after making a hundred thousand on on that last deal that you're closing, it better be cash. If it's cash you're picking it up for. I I might tell the uh, tell your contact now that you're willing to to kick the kick the the additional air that's holding things up, kick them a thousand dollars, kick them two thousand dollars on the side, and, and and hopefully that'll do it. Hopefully that'll do the trick, and they'll they'll you know if you do that, everybody might want their thousand or two. But if they're all just wanting to get rid of it, and there's one person that an extra thousand dollars in their pocket or two thousand in their pocket gets deal done, I'd say most of the heirs are going to go go along with it. Now, obviously, if you're if you're getting some kind of traditional loan, guys, and this really isn't going to apply to you, Eddie, but if you're getting some kind of traditional loan, you can't do anything under the table like that. But 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 a cash deal, I, I would offer that and see if, see if it does the trick. Awesome, Eddie. Go ahead. What do you think? No, no, no. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, me? Well, I just had some overall thoughts about everything that Eddie talked about. I would say as far as the multiple errors, the best deal I ever did had 12 errors, and I made over $100,000 on it. And you're, you're, one thing you said there is completely correct is the more people there, they are, there are, the less a discount in price affects all of them. So I agree with Bruce. If you, if if you need to disproportionately distribute the income a bit and everybody else is okay with it, you know, if you need to kick the ones that don't a little more money, maybe the other ones won't care. I mean, most people would look the other way on a complicated deal like this. And I, I was just going to make an overall comment, Eddie. And I've said this so many times before in the beginning and way back when I was in my twenties, one of my original mentors told me, figure out what everybody else is doing and do the opposite. And you just gave multiple examples of that. You know, everybody else are calling this month's leads. Maybe they go back a month or two. You're working on two-year-old leads <laughs> you know, where you've got – logically, it would seem like they'd all be sold, but the reality is you've just eliminated all of your competition. I would say everybody else is probably calling the three, four, or five phone numbers we provide, and that wasn't good enough for you. You couldn't find them, so you, you tracked them down. I mean, you used your head. You thought about it. And you track somebody down by the the way their LLC name sounded or the nationality. I mean, that, that's brilliant. And the fact is, you're probably well. I almost guarantee you you eliminated all your competition there because you're probably the only one that was able to reach them or talk to them. And then the other thing that occurred to me, you said, you know, you're not California. Your your average price is is low, but 
yet you're not going after the big ticket items. Maybe you don't have them, but you're getting an incredible spread on lower priced homes. I mean, so you're just you're you're a perfect example of going the extra mile and pretty much doing the opposite of what everybody else is doing. And I would just try to use that same kind of strategy with the multiple layers. You know, if you can kick one of them, is he the on on the twelve air deal? The I'm, I'm assuming the executor is on board, right? The executor wants to sell. Yeah, he wants to sell. He just he, he just he just can't he just can't get the the one uncooperative one to agree to selling. Yeah, and how much if they split it evenly? How much are they going to each pocket all twelve of them? How much each? Well, it's it's five it's five people. He said twelve. Okay, yeah. Fifteen. I don't. Mine was mine. Mine was twelve. Yours is okay. Each one will get like three thousand seven seven hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of lunch money, but to some people, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, is, is there any of them that doesn't need the money that would give their shares to sell? I would think maybe the executor would be the one that might be willing to chip in more because he's got he's got all the work to do. He might want to get this off his plate. But no, other than what Bruce said, you know, an unequal distribution the only, may or may not work. Go ahead. You had another thought? At this point, you're kind of operating from a place of with a lack of knowledge. You, you don't know what it yeah. is. You need to identify what it is that the other heir is looking for. If they're if they think the house is worth a hundred thousand, and if they think that they're going to get twelve grand, then that's a different issue of of them wanting five grand out of it. If they want five True. grand out of it, just just come up with a side agreement. Give them give them twelve hundred bucks, thirteen hundred bucks outside of the closing because if it goes into the closing it's got to run through the estate so it, it provided it is in an estate but but it's yeah. got to run through the estate and it's going to get distributed so first thing first is you need to figure out what they're thinking is this just a move because they don't want to sell mom's house that they have an emotional connection to i get that if that's the case then then all of this is just a smoke screen to pretend like they they pretend like it's about the money but if it's about the money, see what that means. So get get the person you're connected to to maybe introduce you guys, or maybe they maybe they'll call and say, hey, what what are you looking for? But you need to know what they're looking for first, and then you can create something. You can work something creative to get it done. Yep, okay, great point. That makes sense. All right, Eddie. Well, I think you're going to be pretty hard to beat for the winner of the week. But you know. Great job, and thank you so much for sharing. Come back more often, man. Every time you do come back, you got good stuff to share. We appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, well, so I, I actually need to get signed back up. I I paused my because I had so many leads oh, coming in that I needed yeah. to follow up with. So I paused. Yep. So I'm not even qualified for winner of the week. So we'll work something out. If we don't have a better story, I'll have your your customer service person give you a call today. We'll work something out if you come back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I need to, and that's why I called back and. I kind of yeah. left Bruce hanging last time we communicated and everything, so I had to get back on the call anyway. All right. Well, thank you, man. Great great to hear from you again. We appreciate you. Thanks, Eddie. All right. Next up is phone number ending in 9902. You're up next. Hi. Uh, this is Rick Wilson, Landrum Realty here in Kannapolis, North Carolina. How are you folks doing? Doing great, great. sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. First time on the podcast. Well, I see that's not correct. I was I'd listened in one time before, but I'm just getting started in this, and so I did hear. I think 
Is this Bruce I'm speaking, or Jim? Uh, it was Jim first, and and uh, this is Bruce. Yeah. Well, there was I don't know who was speaking about. I believe we were talking about unclaimed property. That there was a, a lady that uh, was on the podcast a while back and a week ago, whatever, and they brought that up as a kind of a value-added service that they were providing to the PR yep. or the executor. Did I understand it correctly? Correct. That was mm-hmm. last week. We we thought that was an interesting idea. That was uh, Jennifer yes. that brought that up. Yes. Yes. I can only say this about that is that for, I forgot for what reason I was doing this, and I can't explain. I'd moved from Florida to North Carolina. I've owned a home here for some years, but I moved up here full time about a year ago. And so something, I don't know what it was. I'll have to think about it. But I went back to the Florida unclaimed property site and found $1,600 that was owed to me on commissions. Now, get this. Back when I was in the insurance business, which was almost 35 years ago, amazing. So I, I, there is money out there, and it, it makes a lot of sense to, to try and help people recapture that money, especially at that, you know, it, it, it's really easy money. Uh, it's really easy to, to get. If you, got, you have to have documentation, but it's easy to pick mm-hmm. up. So I think that's a grand idea. I don't know if it was Jim or yourself. I, my question was regarding the uh, playing. I mentioned, was it the first Thursday of each month that you're going to be doing this? Yeah, so we do foundations the first Wednesday of every month, and then subsequently the very next day, which is Thursday. So it's all uh, the foundations always starts on the first Wednesday of the month, and then it's the very next day. And, and, and Thursday is our, is our role play day. Yep, very next okay. day being Thursday. And Thursday is always the dialogue day. And then the third Wednesday of each month, we're incorporating a an additional role play that's kind of a it's kind of packaged with foundations. So we take the dialogue that we learn and foundations, and and we just role play it for like an hour and a half with everybody in small group. Okay, okay. So how do you get involved with that? Sign up for foundations. So okay. go into your portal and just register under professional real estate coaching for foundations. And uh, and then you'll get announcements on all of the role play calls. So you, you would be registering for the J- June foundations, and then the role play call. I'll send to everybody that's been to foundations. I'll send to everyone that's been there their role play. Right. Very good. Okay. Thanks for the information. Yep. That's that's the question I had. Nothing too grand, but no problem. Yeah. No, thank no, you. That's for great. That's a good question. A lot of people <sighs> probably had. So thank you. All right, guys, we have two more in the queue. We do have plenty of room for more. Just hit star six and then hit pound. Next up is phone number ending in 4367. You're up next. Yeah, hi, guys. My name is Chris Buck. Um, new to the All the Leads probate. And I just actually just got off my phone call with Bruce. I went over some uh, of the basic stuff. And one thing that popped in my head after our phone call was, do you guys do any sort of social media ads to your leads? Because I know you can enter in their email address and then you can get leads sent straight to these people. Is anybody doing that? Yeah, it's one of those things we've talked about for a long time, and I know that there are people that have been doing it. I haven't seen a report back from very many people on on their success there. Here's one thing that I do know. I know that Facebook wants a decent-sized list loaded in. So if you're going to target a custom audience or a custom list, and you put in 
13 leads. Facebook might not deliver that. They might tell you that your audience is too small. So I would give it a try while you have a small audience, but the bigger that audience over time gets, and if that means you need to go grab some historic leads or another county or something like that, you might want to try it. Build it up to where it's it's a big enough list and then put it in, in Facebook and up until the point that they don't give you that error message that, hey, your audience is too small. I've seen that many, many times. And sometimes the number that almost all, the guaranteed number where you're going to get delivery is a thousand people in your audience. I've seen people get by with like a hundred people in their audience where Facebook would deliver their their ad. Okay. But I would really do it without a hundred people in your audience. Okay. And then sometimes new to the, all the leads, I just got my first lead set, you know, 22 people. Is there a way to go back and get historic leads from you guys? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, 100%. Do you remember who your customer service person was that uh, signed you up to start with? Do you remember their their name? Oh, gosh, I forget her name. Darcy Jordan or Natalie? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I've got your phone number. I will look you up, and I'll have them reach back out to you. Yeah, we highly recommend, as a subscriber, you can get a significant discount on the historic leads. And you can go back months. I mean, you can go back like the last gentleman went back two years and still got deals from it. The great thing about the older one, the farther back you get, the more, you know, the larger, you know, if you go back six months, probably a majority of them are going to be sold. But when you go back that far, the ones that haven't sold are finally ready to do something. And there's a strong possibility you're going to be the only one contacting them. You know, whenever I'm looking, I still I still buy and flip. I still invest, and I usually do one to three year old leads. And I've never done that and failed to get a deal out of it. And almost without exception, people tell me, you know, six months ago I wasn't ready. I was getting phone calls and letters, and you're the only one that's contacted me in the last year. So yeah, the the and if depending on how many leads you want as a subscriber, we can we can get a T at a greatly discounted price. I mean, because we have them, it's just a matter of pulling them up and in uh, implementing them with the phone numbers and delivering them to you. So yeah, I'll have whoever your sales or your customer service person is, I'll have them reach out to you today when the call's over. And what, what's your last name again? I have your phone number. Buck. It's B as in boy, U-C-K, like the deer. Okay. Perfect. Excellent. We'll take, we'll take care of that as soon as the call's over. We'll have somebody reach back out. All right, perfect. That's all I had, guys. All right. Thanks, well, we Buck. appreciate you. Yep. Welcome. Chris, Chris, sorry. Chris Thanks, Buck. Sorry. I'm still here. All right. No, no, I, I called you. I called you Buck. That's my bad. I, I know it's Chris. For the first, I don't know, 30 years of my life, I don't even, I don't even think I went by Chris. So <laughs> Buck's fine. All right, perfect. All right. Well, it's All time right. to pass the buck. We got to go on to our next subscriber, our, our, our next caller. Oh, so, right, next up is four six six three. You're up next. Thank you. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Eddie's situation made me think of two with his $30,000 property and the five heirs made me think of two things. Uh, first is the side agreement that Bruce and others were talking about. Is there any scenario where a side agreement is illegal? And I guess what I'm getting at here is where are the fiduciary responsibilities in, in a probate case? Yeah. So it depends whether you're listing the property, kind of who you're representing. There could be scenarios where the side agreement uh, may be illegal. I know for a fact, if there is a, a loan 
and very specifically a government-backed loan, that you really can't do that. So in a case like this, it would need to be one of those instances where all parties know about it, all parties agree. You're not skirting any kind of government or, 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 or lending laws. On Eddie's situation, I don't believe that it would. Would it be worth running it by an attorney? Probably. But but on Eddie's situation where it was like a cash deal and, and you know everybody in a case like that would know that one person was getting a little bit more than their share and that it was not running through the estate, I think it would probably be legal. But Eddie, if you're still listening, I do think it's it's a reasonable assumption that, that it would be a good idea to go, go run that by an attorney. Okay, as a follow-up, if everybody has to know about it or, or, you know, what you're proposing, and I think that that sounds wise, if everybody is to know about it, what is the point of the side agreement? Why not Why not just, you know, have the – is it because the airship percentages drive mm-hmm. an equal distribution and therefore you have to have a agreement? Yep, okay. yep, that, that's okay. my, that's my uh, opinion. If there's a will – and there's an airship agreement, and and it calls for certain percentages. What comes out of that estate? Could it be modified potentially? But but I I really think that what comes out of that estate needs to be that according to the will. And uh, so that's why I would probably put the side agreement together, just where that money um, goes, almost like an assignment fee, because the the heir is has is entitled to a certain amount. So you're almost Buying, buying their their percentage of the estate from them on an assignment fee. So they they also happen to be getting the benefit of their airship as well. But they could sell um, they could sell sell that for an assignment fee. I would think you know this is something that I've never personally run into before. But it's kind of the the first way that I would think about putting a tough deal like that together. And and then and then I'll just repeat: ask an attorney, so that yeah. you, you'd know for a fact that you're not doing anything that you're not supposed to. And in that case, can it be the probate? Can it be the attorney who is handling the probate, or is there a conflict of interest there? I wouldn't think there would be a conflict of interest there. Yeah, I wouldn't think that that there would be. Now, they might tell you they don't know. That's one thing with attorneys. I know dozens of local in in my area estate planning and probate attorneys and if i were to take a question like that to to 12 of them i bet two would have a difference of opinion with me hmm. and mm-hmm. the other 10 would probably say yeah yeah go for it so hmm. just cuz you take it to their probate attorney it might be worth bouncing it off hmm. of a second person as well just to see if there's something that the first guy wasn't thinking about okay second question is related to a stickier you know, scenario, stickier outcome, and it alludes to what you're talking about, you know, the share of, of airship. It, it makes me think of offering multiple offers, not in a sense, you know, as an investor, we were trained to, to make multiple offers, hoping the PR will accept, or excuse me, the, the seller will accept one of them, thinking they have to accept something. But here I'm talking about, could you make different offers to the, the PR, perhaps to appease the, the situation? So the the first one gets 50% and that's a, maybe a cash offer. The 3 get their 3750 and that's those are cash offers. But for the one, you know, one holdout if you will, what if you so now you're effectively buying whatever that is, you know, you know, something like north of 80% of the property and now you own 80% for those cash offers. But then potentially you stay in the deal or or allow that other person if if it's greed alone. Right. Potentially, you keep them the, the the last holdout in the deal as a tenant in common with you. 
and and then if they if it's a fix up and sell, maybe that's a way to get them more money. Or mm. if it's a yeah. or or if it's a long term hold, again they become a silent partner. But and obviously your agreement will have to be very tight so that they can't interfere in your your property management decisions. But is it can't I guess whatever whatever deal you can strike here to to meet everyone's motivations is is the PR able to accept that on behalf of a, a split offer situation on behalf of multiple heirs? By the way, great idea. I mean, that's yeah, very a great, great idea. Yeah. I would say I feel silly for not thinking about it, but I, I don't know. That, that, was, that was one of the more creative ways of thinking about it I've heard. So the and I, I don't see why the PR couldn't accept that. It de- it kind of depends on the state that you're in. Um, some states, all the heirs have to sign the closing documents, and then other states, the PR can just sign on behalf of the estate. So it kind of depends on your loca- location, but but I, I don't I really don't know why the PR couldn't make that decision for everybody as long as they kind of ensured that that they were acting in the best interest of the estate, which in this case, it sounds like they are. And as long as they had the the blessing of the other heirs, why not? Sure. And if everything okay. was, was totally documented and disclosed, it, it's you're rarely going to have a problem if you're if everybody's aware, it's disclosed, and everybody's in in agreement, you're you're generally going to be fine. And like we've said every other case, though, that I mean, extremely creative solution. I've never heard anybody think of before, and it's not something that's going to come up often for our people. But when it does, that's a really clever idea. If a guy, one person, wants more, let him stay in the deal. And of course, now you'd be careful. The others don't say, "Well, that's a good de- good idea. I want to stay in the deal too." Well, <laughs> it could- well- yeah, but yeah. at the end of the day, you're you're saying, hey, this is all I can pay, and yeah. and even and even you know whatever some percentage of the profit, some something the way you can get sure. get over their greed factor. I like it. Is the motivation okay? I and like it. Says, Go ahead. If okay, so let's say let's say that were to to happen. I'm just trying to understand the the, the logistics of literally getting that house out, you know, kind of out of the estate so it's no so the state can go on and finish its business it is that once that offer is what i guess accepted and closed on is that how it physically gets the house out of further probate proceedings correct okay. yes yeah so yep okay okay thank yep. you once it's uh, once it's closed on and it's in your name all those funds provided the house is in probate all those funds stay in the estate until probate closes and uh, you know Technically, that that heir that maybe you're making a making a, a partner to a degree, it's possible that they get their partnership cut if you sell that house. It's possible they get that part before they even get the the money out of the estate. But as soon as you close, it should as soon as you close, it should leave the estate. And you, you've got full access as the owner to gotcha. do what you want to do. Right. Okay. Thank you. All right, guys. We have one more in the queue. We got a little bit of time left. Uh, there is room. Of- Anybody else would like to jump in? Otherwise, this may be our last caller of the week. If you would like to jump in, hit star six and hit one. Uh, in the meantime, next up is phone number ending in 7428. What's new in Colorado? Hey, guys. What's happening? It's uh, a beautiful day here, about uh, 80 degrees. So nice. can't complain. Yeah. Yep. I had a couple questions. One is going back to the earlier call. I think Eddie's call about hitting those old leads and was wondering your thoughts on the best kind of intro 
uh, on an older lead call that you hadn't reached out to before? What's the kind of most effective opening line there, kind of script, if you will, to open open the door? Yeah. So, have you been to foundations yet? Yeah. 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 Okay. So we wanna we really wanna go with kind of that intro after you've gotten your your greeting out of the way. We wanna get into the summary and and on an older lead. My summary is going to be pretty short. I like your summary to, to be one sentence, but, but you could go a little longer than that. I was talking to someone earlier that was really good at their summary, so I felt like once you have the basics down, you can expand. So I would probably tell them, hey, you know, I'm calling because I work with families that have inherited real estate that, that they're open to selling. If it's an old lead, and now we're not talking about a historic lead that's four months old. We're talking about a historic lead that's maybe a year old. You might as right. well just go straight for the real estate, the emotion, and likely the property clean-out and the, the maintenance and all those reasons that were softer on a new lead are kind of gone. So I would just simply go, hey, you know, I'm calling because I work with families that have inherited real estate that they're open to selling. And then a of course, I'm not 100% sure if um, what I uh, do is relevant to you or not. Do you have a quick second? Right. Perfect. And that would be that would that would probably be the best the best way. Truthfully, though, you know, I teach those kind of two or three basic introductions. There are about a million ways that you could do it, but you always want to have that summary in the beginning of your call. That summary of why you're calling, not what you do, but why you're calling. Okay. And, and and that could sound different for you, but I like to reference inherited real estate if I'm calling a historic lead. Okay. And similarly, that you know, that kind of emotional aspect is typically less of a factor, like you're saying. Would that be something that might be worth doing an SMS, text, or RVM to as well to be more efficient? Or Well, you got to be cautious on those RVMs and even the SMSs because they didn't opt in. So you have to be careful when you're calling them. It's it's likely that you can establish some rapport. You could give it a try, if depending on your risk tolerance. But you're certainly putting your neck out there a little bit. If you hit the wrong person, they might they might not take too kindly to it, especially if there's not a live voice on the other end. So choice um, the choice is yours. We have plenty of people that do that, by the way, and um, and are successful with it. I just wouldn't really want to get hit with a fine if if I was doing something inadvertently that was wrong or someone took offense to. Yeah, and these are in Florida, so I'm guessing you guys even more so the RVM is stay away from. Yeah, the RVM is something on people that haven't opted in. It's something that uh, regardless of what state you're in. You're you're running a pretty significant risk that you know I'm not I I just don't think it's worth it I I've got I I'm careful here because I have a bunch of people that I know do RVMs and they do it successfully and they've justified it but I'm really careful here because you know you no matter what state you're in if they haven't opted in you're doing something that's technically wrong and I would I was just going to add we would never encourage you to do anything that isn't completely legal however if you if you are going to do it don't do the live answer you know when you do the RVMs you can choose voicemail only if you choose voicemail only it's not as obvious that it's not a live call if you if you you know like the the calls you pick up and don't hang up you know well that obviously is an RVM if if a message goes directly to your voicemail it's not quite as obvious so i guess you know if you're not going to if if you're going to take the risk just be careful 
and you know and and do it sparingly and like Bruce said we would probably tell you you know probably don't do it at all it's always better to pick up the phone and make the calls live sure yep yep sure okay Cool. And, and, and then, with that type of introduction, when they answer the phone, if you're saying working with families that have inherited real estate, you know, you're going to get to the crux of the matter really quickly. And you, then another option is to is to not even reference probate or inherited real estate. Another option would be just call and say, hey, I'm working with families who have real estate that's um, sitting vacant. That could be anything from inherited real estate to to maybe second homes or even vacant rentals. Do you have anything that you'd be open to selling? And that, that way, you're not kind of tipping your hand that you know that they went through probate or you know they're they're in an, in an estate. So that's a little bit more of a soft approach for those people that, that maybe are still holding on to some emotion there. I like referencing the inherited real estate, though. That's my personal preference. Sure. Okay. And then right. one last question was regarding the Facebook targeted audience. I am um, not well-versed in the whole Facebook and have a significant list. Is there, where would you direct me or is there anything ATL that would be a good uh, starting point to learn how to do that? Or is there an outsourced group that does that for you? I'm going to direct you to the the Google or the YouTube. The thing is with Facebook, and I've set up a targeted audience like that, audiences like that many times, not just with probate, but on a bunch of things. And every time I go back to Facebook, they've changed the way that you load it in or they've changed the way that you set your ad up. But it's not too hard. They, They rarely change where you load your audience in. So I would just go and pull YouTube up or Google up and sort it by posted date, and you'll get the most recent short video on how to load a targeted audience and build your ad. I can help you, but it's probably been six or seven months since I've loaded a list in, and I guarantee you Facebook has changed something since that point. Guaranteed. Every three months, I have to refresh my memory and learn a new process because they they just change things all the time. And it's not so complicated that you should avoid it altogether. It's really not complex. It's just adjusted. They just constantly make adjust adjustments. And what do they typically go ask? What do you need to in, input? Is it an email address or do you have to know their Facebook? Yeah, you're loading your list. You're downloading your list into a CSV file. And then as you go through the ads, it asks you about your audience and you click upload a custom audience. And then you upload your CSV file. And that's that's where they start to attach those records, phone numbers, emails, addresses, and names. They attach those records with who that, what they know about their Facebook audience. And they, I mean, they've got so many data points that if they get two of those accurate, they're going to be able to deliver your ad with really, really high accuracy if just two of the records are, are connected. So in, if you get a name and, a, and a, a phone number, they're going to deliver it to that person. If it's a name and an email address, delivery, a name and, a, and, a, uh, and, a, and an address, you're going to get into the right person's feed. Okay. okay. All right, sir. Hope that hope that helps. Great. We have two more in the queue. That should take us nicely up to the top of the hour. Next up is phone number ending in three six seven nine. You're up next. Okay. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. How you doing, Nancy? Good. Hey, I have a question for you. I'm just kind of new to these calls, mm-hmm. and I noticed some of the people I'm calling, like a husband passed away or a wife passed away, and the address is still the same, or it could be maybe it's their daughter who still lives in the same address. 
I am not quite sure how to approach those people since they may, I mean, maybe 90% of the time they might live there, but who am I to say maybe the person would rather have a condo than a big house? So I'm just sure. wondering how you approach that subject. Well, it's interesting. You approach them uh, knowing that a large portion of the time they're going to sell. It might take them a little bit longer than the out-of-area personal representative or the maybe the sibling or, or the chi- their, their child. It might take a little bit longer, but a lot of times they're going to sell because, like you said, who, who, who's to know if they have a condo or maybe one of their family members is going to per- uh, convince them to downsize over time. So I always like to try to start a conversation from a place of agreement. And so when I get someone that might be a surviving spouse living in the same property, I'll usually call and instead of leading with real estate, I'll lead with service. And and then and then I also recognize that the majority of people going through probate, especially if they're a family member, settling an estate and inheriting property is a very personal experience to them. It's very personal and a lot of times very private. So when someone resists me on those services that I'm offering, it's normal. It doesn't bother me at all because I think it's only natural that they would resist a stranger that's offering to provide services. So resistance is kind of the the key. And if you can if you can kind of rephrase their resistance. So when they say no, 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 we're good, we have everything handled. If you can rephrase that into it sounds like you you really weren't looking for any help right now, is that right? And then get them to start the re- the rest of the conversation with the words that's right. Now you can kind of start to uh, build some rapport and maybe future pace that person. So future pacing is just simply the act of taking them into their imagination and into the future when their, their imagination is not emotional and stressed. And you say, you know, if you don't mind my asking, let's, let's fast forward a, a year from now. And let's say, I don't know how complicated your probate process is, but let's say in a year you're done with probate, everything is settled. What's your life look like? Are you still living in the same house? Where are you living? Are you, what are you doing? And, you know, I'm dropping the hint of a house in there, but I'm really asking them to paint a picture of, of their entire life. And you'd be really surprised how many people will say, yeah, I probably will have moved in with my daughter or I've downsized. And they'll, they'll tell you what they're going to do with the house just because you, you took them out of their emotional state right now and put them into the future. And they'll give you an idea of what that future looks like. And if, if they say, well, I'll probably still be living here, then you know that it's probably not the best immediate candidate for you. And they might change their mind, but they're they're likely not the best immediate candidate. So I want to get that picture of where, where they are and what, what they would like to see in life over the next year or so. Okay. That's really interesting. Okay. And is there any way you approach younger people versus older people who have a house to sell. So one of the one of the people who was on my list and I just I just was looking them up on their address and for some reason it, it came up that this twenty five year old guy guy died unexpectedly. Anyway, just that it just was kind of a different mindset. I thought, well gosh, how would I approach if somebody younger answered the phone versus somebody who's sixty years old or fifty years old? Do you have different different approaches depending on the generation? I, I don't I don't think I do. Jim might have a different approach based on the generation, but I really don't think I do. The ultimate 
The ultimate idea here, though, and, and this is this is less to do with that specific example, is you want to constantly be adding new tools into your dialog toolbox so that when you, you catch someone and they sound, I'm basing it on whether they sound emotional, I'm basing it on whether they sound um, agreeable and amiable and friendly, I'm basing it on whether they sound like a high-D personality that's pushy and wants to get straight to the point. So to me, it doesn't matter if they're young or old. I'm more focused uh, more on personality, and then I'm changing those tools up based on their personality. So I wouldn't worry about the age and the generation. I would worry about personality and just trying to identify some of those things as quickly as possible on the phone. Yeah, I was going to say something very... I was going to say something very similar, Bruce, that match and mirror. I know when I used to prospect, when I used to make 100 contacts a day, I tend to talk very loud and very fast. And older people would say, quit yelling at me. So I had to, I learned to listen to the person. If they sounded, you know, older or if they sounded slower, I would try to match and mirror the way they were talking. People like people that are like them. So rather than an age, I would just be more aware of the way people sound on the phone and, you know, speed up, slow down, talk softer, talk louder, depending on the person on the line. Not so much age as trying to match and mirror the individual you're talking to. And then you had another question, Nancy? Nope, that that was pretty much it. I guess what, this isn't really a question, but maybe a comment and something you could you could respond to. So the one thing I find myself is getting performance anxiety <laughs> before I make calls. <laughs> it's really weird because I don't have trouble on the phone in general, and I don't have trouble mm-hmm. calling people who've inquired about, you know, houses in the past. It just feels, I, I don't know, I just get a little bit of performance anxiety with this. How do you get over that? Maybe that is a question. I've absolutely convinced myself that it, and and this is not true 100% of the time but this is what I had to do for myself many years ago is convince myself that people don't want to talk to me and then when I get resistance it's only natural that's the biggest thing and then and then you you kind of also convince yourself that they're going to take some time and then that way when you run into that person that that says yeah we're not ready yet but we're probably going to sell it's natural and so i think that the performance anxiety comes because you're so tied to the result of getting an appointment on every call and i know that you're i know that you've made enough calls to where you're probably not consciously tied to that but when when you get someone that's a little abrasive and a little aggressive with you on the phone or or even the person that gets offended it really wrecks you well you know i i've just drawn this conclusion in my mind that they're going to be slightly offended and the overwhelming majority of people aren't but i'm really thrilled with every single person that i get on the phone that says yeah, you know, we don't really need anything right now. I'm like, oh man, that was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And so I go through, I go through these calls one after the other, going, oh, that was so, that was such a good call. That was such a good call. And it, it doesn't mean that I set an appointment right right away. So it has a lot to do with your level of expectation of what their attitude is going to be. And if you can expect them to want their process to be a little bit more private, especially on the first introduction, then anything that is is at kind of that level of call or better, you're going to be really happy with. And that, that would be my only only input is, and, and I'm not advocating yep. treating the calls negatively. 
And, right. Uh, I mean, you want to have a positive attitude about those, but sometimes your positive attitude can lead to you the second someone's a little bit um, short or curt with you, that the second they do that, you can just get devastated. So hopefully that helped. I, I, I think I answered your question. Was that a, yeah, a fair answer to your question? <laughs> yeah, I think, that, I think that's fair. And I haven't experienced anyone being really upset or grumpy you know, some people pretty rare. Get on. Nothing, yeah. Nothing. Yep. All right. Well, thank yep. you, Nancy. We have one more in the queue. Bruce, you okay going a couple minutes over? Yes, sir. A few minutes. Okay. We got a few minutes. Last caller ending in 4235. You're last. Are you there? 754 area code. Yes. Are you Hello. there? Hello. Yes. yes. I, I am on mute. Sorry about that. Yes. I'm going to be pretty quick. This is Ansar Hussein here. I was on the call yesterday, but I did hear earlier that Bruce said there was another call today. Other than this Q&A, did I miss something? Uh, no, that's today. Nope, that's that's today is the Q&A. Nothing else today. Okay, okay, nothing else. Okay, the other thing is, and I want to be quick because I know you guys uh, got to go. I am still waiting. I know normally the this is my, I've just, you know, started. So this is my first time I'm getting my lead list. And I know Jordan told me that it'll be a few days after the 16th, the 16th or a few days after today's the 20th, I still haven't received my leads. Do you know when I can be expecting these? Yeah, it, we, we, we usually, and Tim can answer this better than me, but it, we try to deliver them as close to the target date as possible. But depending, we have human beings doing it. So depending on, right. you know, weekend, weekends, holidays, and the people actually collecting them, if they're due on the 16th, I think we stay up to a 10-day window, but they, they probably will come in in the next couple of days. We, we, I, okay. I can't really give you – I can't give you an ETA better than that, but if they were due on the 16th, today's the 20th, I would guess they'll probably come in today or tomorrow, probably Monday at the latest. And then next month, they might be a couple of days early. <laughs> you, know, you just got to allow that window either way every month. Tim, anything you okay. want to add? Oh, I guess Tim is. Oh, guess what? Dar- Darcy is on the call who's saying she wanted you to know that your leads were delivered this morning. Okay. I'll tell yeah. right here on the page. But I'll, log- I'll log out and log back in and see. See, how's, how's that for results? You know, you you just ask for something. <laughs> you, insta- insta- you instantly get wonderful, them. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. All right. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. And I think I have a, a call with, uh, with Bruce on Monday. So looking forward okay. to that. Thank you, great guys. Great job, guys. To it. Ansar, thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I want a, another great call. Great participation today. I'm particularly pleased with that. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here today. I want to particularly thank you, the ones that actively participated. And we heard some really good ideas on this call, some outside-the-box things. I want to challenge each of you. Take one thing that you heard today that inspired you. Go out and put it into practice, and please come back next Thursday and share the results with the group. Have a great week. We will talk to you all same time next Thursday. Take care, everybody.